Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast, bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome, Ram fans, to episode 56. We have our game recap for you. Rams 37, Jaguars 7. My prediction, by the way, 31-13 Rams. Pretty close. Very complimentary effort. All three units contributing. Rams were a little uneven on offense early. Gotta admit, I didn't like how this game was going early on, even though we had a great kick return to start the game and an early takeaway. But by the end of the third quarter, this team looked like it was finding its footing once again for the first time in a month, albeit against the Jaguars. Can't get too excited, but hey, had to like what we saw Sunday. Offense was very effective on the ground, also through the air. Lots of guys getting involved in the passing game. Sony Michelle, very effective. Would I venture to say something in between Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers? is what we got out of Sonny Michelle against the Jags. Couple hiccups on special teams, but they also made some contributions as well. Really good day overall for the Rams, seeing how some of these other games unfolded as well. Have to say, I'm a pretty happy Rams fan moving forward. Got that three-game losing streak behind us. Things are looking up. Press on to Arizona next week. This is what we're going to do this episode. We're going to get some other news out of the way, get it done, get it out of the way, and move on to the Rams. In a moment here, we'll give you some significant stats, recap of the game real quickly. We'll follow that with our game capture. And then after that, some additional notes or fearsome four big plays, a review of everything there is to review about this game at this point. Then we'll have our loop around the league. And finally, a new pet peeve, a pet peeve that was really born on Saturday in the Pittsburgh-Wake Forest ACC championship game. I'm going to weigh in on that at the end here. Now, I know most of you are here because this is a Rams podcast, but we got to talk real quickly about the college football playoffs. Alabama versus Cincinnati, Georgia versus Michigan. It all makes sense to me. I think it's fair enough. Rejoice, SEC. But remember, you're getting two wounded teams joining your conference in the near future. I expect Alabama will take care of Cincinnati. That Georgia-Michigan game, though, I see that as a coin flip. I will be pulling for Michigan. College basketball, Gonzaga loses again. Did I curse them? This time they lost to Alabama, of all teams. They have a good program there, but I didn't see that coming. UCLA gets a win over Colorado and a forfeit win over Washington due to covid So the latest rankings that I saw, there's all kinds of rankings out there, but I think the consensus would probably be one Purdue, two Duke, and three UCLA at this point. Next up for the Bruins at Marquette on Saturday. Okay, let's get back to the Rams. What were my fearsome four keys to the game? What did I call out as the things the Rams needed to get done to ensure a victory? Well, fearsome key number one was a clean game. And we got that except for two things. We had a couple of drops by our wide receivers, Scott Ronick and Van Jefferson specifically. And we had 
a less than clean game from our special teams, but overall it was pretty clean. No game-changing errors by any of our units. Overall, fairly clean. For some key number two, don't let the Jags move the ball on the ground on first down. We accomplished that. We did very well in that regard. That's going to be the approach a lot of our opponents are going to take to neutralize our pass rush, pound away on first down, try to get to second and five, second and four. Jags couldn't get it done. Our defensive line stepped up. And for some key number three, how about some three and outs? We got several. Did very well in that regard. And I didn't have a fourth key to this game. Jags are a weak team. We know it. Probably a bottom five team. I thought these three keys would be enough for us to win the game. We got them all done for the most part. Rams come away with a win. Some statistics of note. After a slow start, Stafford finished 26 of 38 for 295 yards and three TDs. He had a few passes that he fell short, a little bit off target. His receivers bailed him out, though. Overall, good game. No big errors. That was probably the most important thing. Getting his confidence back on track, hopefully. Cooper Cup, also a slow start, finished with 129 yards and a TD. Sony Michelle, Van Jefferson, and OBJ had the other TDs. Kendall Blanton came oh so close to his first career touchdown, by the way. Rams had no turnovers. Sony Michelle, 121 yards rushing. First time this year the Rams have had someone go over 100 yards. He was very effective. Positive yards virtually every play. And I would venture to say positive yards unless someone in front of him really screwed up. That happened a couple of times. Rams outgained the Jags 418 to 197 yards. And the Jags only rushed for 61 yards. Special kudos to Ashan Robinson and Greg Gaines. Those two have been getting it done, playing a lot of snaps. We'll talk about them later. So what does it all mean at this point? Well, Sunday morning, I made a list of the teams we wanted to lose on Sunday. Vikings, check. Thank you, Jared Goff. 49ers, check. No thanks to Gerald Everett. More on that in our loop around the league. Falcons, check. Now the Eagles, Washington football team, and the Cardinals all got wins, but I'll take those Vikings and Niners losses. That's very helpful for our cause. Losing hope that we're going to win this division. It'd be nice to be the number one wild card, though. So right now, it's the Rams, Washington football team, and San Francisco. The Rams have a two-game lead over both of them, and they have a -a two-and-a-half game lead over the next team, the Philadelphia Eagles, who have not had their bye yet. So Rams are actually in pretty good shape right now. Good place to be with the Cardinals, Seahawks, and Vikings over the next three weeks. We are going to come back in a moment for our complete game capture, possession by possession, capture of the game. We'll follow that up with some additional game notes of interest, all about the Ram-Jags game, and then the loop around the league, and finally, our special sports pet peeve. Football fans, I'm sure we all love action-packed, high-scoring NFL games, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score, 
and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's capture how this first half went. The Rams finally got a big play out of their return game. Brandon Powell just called up, just activated, returns it to the Jags 34. No penalty flag. That's what surprised me the most. So used to seeing that with this Ram team. Brian Allen and David Edwards both left the game on that first drive. Ben Skowronik had a big drop. Rams had to settle for a 40-yard field goal. They take a 3-0 lead. Could not take full advantage of that great field position. Jaguars' first possession on their second play, Aaron Donald forces a fumble. Jalen Ramsey recovers, and the, for the second time, Rams get the ball deep in Jaguars' territory, this time at the 32. Beckham makes a big catch down to the 5 after an incompletion. Sonny Michel runs it in for the touchdown, ramps up 10 to nothing. Jaguars' next possession, a 3 and out, something we needed to see from the Rams, and we finally got it. Now we're deep into the first quarter, and the Jags have only run five plays. Great punt by Jacksonville, though. Brandon Powell decides not to fair catch the ball, and it ends up at the one. So the Rams start at the one, pick up a couple first downs, have to punt. And then the Jaguars put together a nice drive, but they're helped out by the Rams. A taunting penalty, a holding penalty. They're able to convert a fourth and two. And Carlos Hyde ends up scoring the touchdown. Closed the gap to 10-7. Rams next possession. The big play was a pass to Ben Skaronic for 35 yards. But the Rams settle for the field goal. Go up 13-7. Ensuing kickoff goes out of bounds. Jags cannot take advantage of the great field position. Another three and out after a sack. The two teams trade punts. And then the Rams get the ball with 2.15 left at their own 11 and they're able to drive down for a field goal to take a 16-7 lead. Missed a couple of chances there. Van Jefferson had a drop that might have given the Rams a chance to take a couple shots at the end zone, but they have to settle for the field goal, 16-7. Defense played very well except for that one drive and the taunting and holding penalty. Offense a little uneven. If you consider that they had a drive start at the Jags 32 and another one at the Jags 34, but they still only led 16-7 to at the half. Got to be a little disappointed. But nonetheless, it's a two-possession game at halftime. Rams 17, Jacksonville Jaguars 7. Stafford finished that first half 13 of 22 for 139 yards. Sonny Michel 14 rushes for 57 yards and a touchdown. Third quarter, things start to turn the Rams' way. Jags get the ball first, and after one first down, they have to punt. And the Rams begin to click on offense, especially Stafford and Cup. They connect 
for a 43-yard pass play and then a 29-yard touchdown, Rams up 23-7. Jags next possession, Rams turn them away on a fourth and one, take over at their own 37, and go on a 63-yard drive culminated by a Van Jefferson toe tap at the back of the end zone. Rams are really clicking now. Sony Michelle is picking up four or five, six yards of carry. Rams receivers are starting to hold onto the ball. Stafford's starting to make some clutch throws. This game is quickly getting away from the Jags. And on the Jags' next possession, Ashan Robinson forces a Carlos Hyde fumble. Taylor Rapp recovers, and the Rams convert that into another touchdown. This one an OBJ touchdown catch. And how about that touchdown celebration? My shy special assistant, who knows everything but prefers to remain anonymous, advises me that was from Call of Duty. He self-revived himself on the ground, stood up, and proceeded to put on body armor. Fun little celebration, OBJ's touchdown contributing to this win. That would be the last score of the game. Mostly garbage time after that. Rams started to get some subs in. John Wolford got in a series. Rams closed this win out 37-7 and will begin preparations for a showdown with an NFC West rival, the Arizona Cardinals. Let's get through some additional notes from the Rams' 37-7 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Early in the game, Brian Allen was hurt. Don't know how serious that was, but Coleman Shelton stepped in for him at center. David Edwards was also hurt for a time. He came back in, and the announcers didn't notice this, but at one point late in the game, Austin Corbett grabbed his elbow, appeared to be in severe pain, Next play, he was still in, though, so I'm not sure what happened there. There may be a injury report forthcoming on that. I did not hear mention of McVay's record when leading at halftime. Should improve to 44-0, the best all-time. So what were my fearsome four big plays of the game? Well, how about in the first quarter, Rams up 3 to nothing, and Aaron Donald strips the ball from James Robinson. Jalen Ramsey recovers it. Rams take over at the Jags, 31. Rams capitalize with a Sony Michelle touchdown, 10 to nothing. So that play by Donald and the recovery by Ramsey led directly to a touchdown and a somewhat comfortable early lead for the Rams, 10 to nothing. Here's some big play number two. Third quarter, Rams are up 16 to seven after stopping the Jags on their opening drive of the second half. Stafford hits Cooper Cup for 35 yards on second and three. Cup would score moments later on a 29-yard pass play, but that 35-yarder to Cup was a really good sign for the way this game was going to go. Rams never looked back after that. 35 yards to Cup, followed by the 29-yarder, and suddenly the Rams are up 23-7. Here's some big play number three. Still in the third quarter, Take your pick on that series where the Jags turned it over on downs. I'll go with Ramsey breaking up that pass on fourth and one. Rams haven't had a lot of big plays like that on third and short and fourth and short. So this was a good sign as well. And shortly after that, we got our fearsome big play number four. 
Third and goal from the two. Matthew Stafford hits Van Jefferson at the back end of the end zone. I wouldn't call it a toe tap, but Jefferson makes a great play, stays in bounds, and the Rams are up 30-7. to A couple honorable mentions that pass play in the second quarter, 35 yards from Stafford to Ben Skowronek led to a field goal. And late in the game, Ashawn Robinson strips Carlos Hyde and Taylor Rapp recovers. At that point, the game was pretty much over, in my opinion. Still a big play. Ashawn giving the ball back to his offense. There were lots of little plays and a lot of players who deserve mentioning here. I'm going to hand out a bunch of game balls. Greg Gaines and Ashawn Robinson. These two guys have really stepped up. Sebastian Joseph Day. Sorely missed, but Gaines and Robinson really making plays on the defensive line. They both had very good games, and they both had good games last week. Robert Rochelle making that big play on special teams, downing it at the one. We don't get enough of those from our special teams, so it was nice to see him contributing. He hasn't been getting on the field in the secondary defensive snaps, but he's stepping up on special teams. And Cooper Cup, that guy, you may be able to hold him down for a little bit, but you're not going to be able to hold him down for the whole game. His ability to get yards after the catch is uncanny. Just makes little moves in space, gets another six or eight yards, great hands, knows how to find space. Cooper Cup, at this point, might be our most valuable player, and I think he should get some MVP votes league-wide. Don't be surprised if that happens. He is having an amazing year. And how about Matthew Stafford? Gets pummeled in the chest with a helmet, right in the sternum. And you know what? I think he was better after that. That toughness, that grit. Gotta love it. Matthew Stafford, game ball for him as well. And how about that return to open the game by this guy, Brandon Powell? I was barely aware of his existence, to be honest with you. We signed him back on November 4th to the practice squad. He was activated for this game. He's out of Florida, bounced around a bit. Got on the field with the Lions in 2019. He caught six passes for 103 yards against the Packers. So he's got a little bit of experience. He's had cups of coffee with the Falcons, Bills, and Dolphins as well. So kudos to Brandon Powell for making a big contribution the first time he touched the ball for the Rams. Well, who screwed up? Anyone screw up in this game? Well, you know, Jalen Ramsey, a big part of his game is getting in the face of opponents, trash-talking. He's really got to be careful with that. They're cracking down on taunting, and, you know, a lot of the stuff he's pulled over the years would be categorized as taunting at this point. Wasn't a big deal in this game, but it could have been. He's got to tone it down. He's got to find another way to vent. Don't want him hurting us in a big way down the road. And I still got to say, our special teams, not thrilled. We ran into the punt returner trying to make a fair catch. We should have called a fair catch on that ball that was downed at the one. And then we had a kickoff that went out of bounds. Got to clean that up. Over and over and over again, I talk about the special teams. They made some good plays, kind of made up for it this week. But hey, can we just have one clean game? by our special teams, 100%. No screw-ups. 
make some big plays without blowing a couple of others. Real quickly on the coach's corner, why don't we get these guys out of there earlier? I think I know the answer. I think Von Miller and Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald are trying to pad their stats. They want some sacks late in that game. You could just see them salivating out there. But it's not for the good of the team. Bobby Brown finally got out there on the last series. I'm guessing he had three or four snaps. I would have had him out there at the start of the fourth quarter. But what do I know? Maybe he's not all that good. But if we're going to have him on the roster, we're going to have him active. Let's find out what he can do in game situations. And at the same time, protect some of our key players that we're going to need down the stretch. Namely Aaron Donald and Greg Gaines. Get Bobby Brown and the likes out there earlier, please. I harp on this every time we have a a win in the bag or even situations where a win is out of reach. Let's get some of these young guys out there, throw them into the fire, see what they're made of. A couple of criticisms of the broadcast. Hey, was I the only one that missed that one play, the third down conversion, where Trevor Lawrence ran for a first down? I don't think so. I think we all did. That's horrible. And does Mark Sanchez think Brian Allen is an all-pro? Now, when Brian went out, he went on and on about what a terrible thing this is for the Rams moving forward. And hey, you never want to lose a player. You never want to lose your starting center. But, you know, I didn't feel the earth shaking underneath my feet when Brian Allen went out. I think we're in pretty good shape. Coleman Shelton can get the job done. No one wants to lose their starting center, but Allen is a very average offensive lineman. I didn't see it as that big a deal. Real quickly on the refs, I take issue with them penalizing Ramsey for taunting, but at the same time, not penalizing the Jags when they ripped Andrew Whitworth's helmet off. I don't know if you saw this. Ramsey walks by the receiver and clearly says something, and it probably is taunting. I get it. Throw the flag. Shortly thereafter, a dust-up when the Rams have the ball. Whitworth is standing over a Jag defender, and the Jags defender reaches up and pulls Whitworth's helmet off. No call. Taunting 15 yards, ripping a helmet off. No call. That's all I got on notes from this game. In a moment, we will be back with our loop around the league. And finally, our sports pet peeve. For our loop around the league, we'll start with that Thursday night game. Cowboys 27, Saints 17. Depleted Saints made a game of it for a while. C.D. Lamb returned for the Cowboys, had a big game, 122 yards from scrimmage. Cowboys intercepted Taysom Hill four times, but three of those times came in the last seven minutes when the Saints were trying to rally. Cowboys looking more and more like the eventual NFC East champions, a very likely place for the Rams to play their opening wildcard game. Sunday morning, Cardinals 33, Bears 22. Bears had success early in the game with quick snaps, getting to the line quickly, snapping the ball, allowing David Montgomery to gash them. Montgomery ended up with 90 yards in a TD. Maybe something we'll see the Rams do next week. 
Kyler Murray, just 123 yards passing through the air, but he threw for two TDs and ran for another. Detroit Lions get their first win in almost a year. Lions 29, Vikings 27. This is the sixth Vikings game decided on the last play of the game. Jared Goff had two chances to possibly put the game away. Did not work out. Vikings kicked the go-ahead field goal 27-26. Lions get one more chance and Goff gets it done. Throws the game winner as time expires. Helping the Rams out a little bit, giving the Vikings a loss. Justin Jefferson, 182 yards and a TD in a losing cause. Bucks 30, Falcons 17, another big day for Tom Brady, the NFL's passing yardage leader. 38 for 51, 368 yards and four TDs. Bucks have control of that division. Chargers 41, Bengals 22, a duel between two of the better young quarterbacks in the league, but the big play came on defense. Chargers were leading just 24 to 22. Bengals were driving. Joe Mixon fumbles. And Tavon Campbell picks it up, runs 61 yards for the touchdown. That really turned the tide in the Chargers' favor. Colts 31, Texans 0. Jonathan Taylor continues to tear it up, 143 yards and two TDs. Dolphins 20, Giants 9. Fifth straight win for the 6-7 and seven Dolphins. They were one of my sleeper teams, and I admittedly had given up on them, but they're coming back, actually a contender at this point. Giants drop to 4-8, and eight, and I think we can add them to the list of our done teams. Eagles 33, Jets 18. Imagine where the 6-7 and seven Eagles would be if they had beaten the Giants like they should have last week. No Jalen Hurts, but Gardner Minshew 20 for 25 with two touchdown passes. Miles Sanders 120 yards rushing. Afternoon games, Seahawks 30, Niners 23. The Seahawks were up by that same score, with minutes left in the game. They're deep in 49er territory. Kick a field goal, make it a two-score game. It's pretty much over, right? But they run a third down play, a shovel pass to Gerald Everett. He gets cracked at about the two-yard line. Ball comes out. San Francisco recovers. They drive down the field and have first and goal run four plays, and cannot score the last play, a tipped pass that falls harmlessly to the ground, and Seattle escapes with a win. And this is good news for the Rams. Seahawks are done pretty much right. Not mathematically, but in reality, yes, they are. Niners drop two games behind the Rams, so this is a good result. Washington football team 17, Raiders 15, Good defense prevails over good offense. Washington's fourth straight win. It was 7-6 Washington entering the fourth quarter. Raiders took a 15-14 lead with 2.26 left, but Washington drives for the winning field goal, and they are a wildcard team as we speak. Steelers 20, Ravens 19. Lamar Jackson hit Sammy Watkins for a TD with 12 seconds left. Ravens go for two. T.J. Watt upsets the timing of the play. Lamar is trying to get it to Mark Andrews out in the flat. Has to try to throw it over Watt. Andrews gets his hands on it. Can't secure it. Bobbles it. Andrews in the ball hit the ground. The Steelers escape with the win. And before you begin second-guessing the Ravens going for two, 
John Harbaugh explaining that they were basically out of corners. They did not want to go to overtime, just did not have the DBs that they thought they needed to compete for another 10 minutes. And Sunday night, Chiefs 22, Broncos 9. Broncos' game plan kind of worked. Run the ball, keep it low scoring, just keep the Chiefs in check. Wait for your opportunities, but two Teddy Bridgewater interceptions, one of them a pick six, along with a muffed punt at the round 16. Can't make those kind of mistakes the way the Chiefs are playing right now. Chiefs get another win. And Monday night, the Bills and the Patriots. Is that a big game or what? We'll be back for our pet peeve in a moment. And remember... Our Thursday morning drop, we will have a preview of the Ram-Cardinal game, of course. We will also take a look at all the possible playoff scenarios as best we can at this point in the season. We'll basically be racking and stacking all these NFC teams specifically. We might have time to get into the AFC as well. Which teams are realistically in the hunt? What might the Rams' path to the Super Bowl look like once these playoffs get started? So look for all of that on our Thursday morning drop. Okay, folks, I got a new pet peeve for you. And of all the pet peeves I have done... Over the many months I've been doing this podcast, I don't know if I feel as strongly about one as I do about this. And still, I already know there's people out there that disagree with this position. I'm talking about a play that happened in the ACC championship game between Pittsburgh and Wake Forest. Kenny Pickett, the Pittsburgh quarterback, is running downfield and looks like he's going to slide wherein he'd be granted the protection a sliding quarterback gets. But no, he's not sliding. It's a fake slide. Two players led up on him, and off to the races, 58-yard touchdown run. Now, I feel very strongly that this should not be allowed. I would call it unsportsmanlike. Quarterbacks are provided extra protection. I get it. Quarterbacks can slide, and as soon as they slide, players have to let up or risk a 15-yard penalty. In the way the NCAA has been running things, good chance it's going to be a targeting call and you're ejected from the game. So when a quarterback takes advantage of this situation and fakes a slide, pretends like he's going to give himself up, but then does not, to me that's unsportsmanlike. Or create a new penalty category for it. I don't care. It's grossly unfair. What are defenders supposed to do now? It's an impossible situation you're putting these defenders in. If it looks like you're going to slide, well, you know what? You better. Unless refs want to give these defenders free cracks at the quarterback the next time he does slide. And you know what's going to happen. Refs aren't going to let that slide. Little pun there. No. It's a penalty, 15-yard penalty. You pretend like you're going to slide and don't. Plays over. You lose. That's my sports pet peeve. I feel really strongly about this one. Saw some arguments on Twitter about it. A lot of people just don't get it. Just don't get it. Never will. 
I'm not going to waste my time even repeating their arguments. They are so silly. That's my sports pet peeve. Pretty timely one. Just the other day, Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Panthers taking advantage of the protection afforded a quarterback by faking the slide. Unsportsmanlike. Next time, let's call it that. I'm out. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.